Yes, good day, everyone. It is Thursday, August 11, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio, and a very good morning to you wherever or however you are listening. And uh, we've got a big morning coming up with Blocker, of course, between seven and eight. Four rounds to go before the finals in the NRL. And what a game we got tonight. Penrith up against the Melbourne Storm, the 2020 grand finalists. And since that match where Melbourne won 26-20, the Panthers have won three of the last four including, well, the biggest of those matches, certainly last year's preliminary final, which was 10-6 to the Panthers. And uh, some build-up to this game. Ivan Cleary yesterday described Storm Chairman Matt Tripp's comments, and Tripp labelled them an arrogant club, as absolutely unfair. Ivan Cleary said, Cleary added that, you know, they're probably not perfect, but would like to think they're doing a decent job. And tonight, the Panthers $1.55 with Tab. Melbourne, $2.45, four and a half the line, and Storm the plus. Loz, a morning to you, mate. Love a bit of rivalry, a few barbs thrown into a, a lead-up to a game like this. Yeah, it certainly adds to the contest, doesn't it, the build-up. And, you know, I'm sure that Nathan, uh, Ivan Cleary, sorry, wants to protect his club and protect his players, and he's gone about it um, in a professional manner. And Matt Tripp, he's protecting his club. You know, he gets disappointed every time they talk about Melbourne Storm as being a team that, you know, started the wrestle and all these other manoeuvres that uh, clubs are now using. So he took offence to that. So it just is a bit more intriguing leading into the contest, but it should be a wonderful game. Um, You know, both clubs are missing key players, so that sort of takes away from it a little bit. There's no Cleary and Luai for Penrith. There's no uh, Jerome Hughes for Melbourne Storm. Um, and both Hughes and Cleary, uh, they mean so much to their respective teams. Um, but this will be a, a good game. Um, Melbourne will need to win if they're to keep their top four hopes alive. Uh, Penrith will finish on top of the competition table. They've been the most dominant team this season by far. Um, had a few little issues towards the back end of the season with players getting injured and spending a few weeks on the sideline with suspension. But... You know, if they come back fully fit, they're going to be mighty hard to beat. And they get Justin Olam back, uh, the Storm as well. He's always been one of your favourites, hasn't he? Oh, I just love the way he goes about it. Anyone that gives his heart and soul every time he runs out onto the football field, uh, you've got to admire. And, you know, he's got an error in him, Justin Olam, whether it's a defensive read or whether it comes up with a, you know, a mistake uh, while carrying it. Uh, while carrying the ball, but he just does everything at 100 miles an hour. And and that's what I like about him. He'd be a teammate you'd love to play with because you can accept that he's going to make a mistake, but it's through enthusiasm and it's through just having a crack. Nick Kyrgios in action at the moment, and he's in a tie-break in his uh, second-round match there in the ATP event in Montreal. And uh, so tie-break first set, and he's down 2-1 as he's just served and he's just uh, a little backhand volley's just gone out. So he's trailing 3-1 against Medvedev. Alex Dimonor also in action this morning, in fact, as well. He's up against Grigor Dimitrov and very early in their contest as well. And uh, I'll have some scores for you. In fact, Dimonor, it's 4 all in the first set in their game as well. In fact, Dimitrov up 40-love on serve, so about to go ahead. Great news story yesterday in regards to the Opals. Lauren Jackson, 41 years of age. She was retired for more than five years. 
and she hasn't played for Australia for nine years. Well, Opals coach Sandy Brondello zoomed her and told her that she's going to be in the squad of 12 for next month's World Cup in Sydney. It's a great story. This is a, probably underplayed, this story, Loz. Oh, it's a wonderful comeback from Lauren Jackson. You know, she retired and all of a sudden she's coming back to her, what, fifth World Cup. Um, she's been an amazing player, possibly our greatest ever women's player. And she now comes back. She had to retire because her body was breaking down on her. Uh, but she come back in Albury uh, late last year. She played with the bandits there. And she dominated and then, of course, has been selected for the Australian side. So I'm really excited for her and really looking forward to seeing her play. And I'm sure that, you know, they wouldn't have just um, put her in the team for a token selection. She would have had to earn it. Mm. And this is a remarkable story. One of the the great all-time comebacks from any sports person. And she's got a five and a three-year-old boy as well. So, uh, yeah, fantastic story that, no doubt about it. Um, Now, just on the text line, we're getting some text through audio missing from the tab app. Again, we'll get the text onto it. So uh, apologies for that. But uh, hopefully we can sort that out. Uh, now, media conference yesterday, Loz, Paul Gallen standing in the middle of Justin Hodges and Ben Hennant. And uh, we'll play some audio from that news conference a bit later this morning. But uh, it's all set to go ahead. Brisbane's Thursday, September 15. And uh, it seems it'll be Ben Hennant, then a 60-minute break for Gallen, then Hodges, which... Yeah, well, not ideal. We're saying go one straight after the other because he won't want to cool down. No, that's the hardest thing. Anyone will tell you in, as a professional sportsman when you cool down, and in particular you cool down for an hour, the lactic acid and your fatigue, your muscles start to get sore, and then he's got to try and work himself back up into a frenzy to take on Justin Hodgins. He'll be there to take his head off. So that is going to be difficult for Gal. Um, but knowing him, I'm sure he'll, you know, we'll, we'll prepare for that. Um, he'll he'll make sure he does all the work. Um, he'll do his sparring sessions like that. I'm assuming that he'll he'll spar someone, then have a rest, come back and do it. Um, but again, it still puts him at risk of uh, losing. But from what I've seen of Gal boxing compared to Ben Hennett and Justin Hodges, Gal just wins every day of the week. But you never know in this scenario. Surely. No, surely. I think he's got both covered pretty comfortably. In fact, there, Paul Gallen. Um, now, Gowie's not on this morning, but I'll have his tips. He's got a flight. Uh, but Josh Reynolds will be just after 6 o'clock. He actually sent me a video last night. He thought he'd found Clarkie's boat, and I told him it wasn't big enough. And Clarkie's in Paris. So uh, we'll speak to Josh just after 6 o'clock this morning, and he can tell you in his own words as well about that report that was linking him to the Bulldogs. Uh, last well came out last Thursday night our time after we'd spoken to him on the Thursday but uh, obviously we're pretty biased because uh, we love Josh but she would love to see him get one year back at his old club yeah I think he'd be good value and, and again you're getting an experienced player and he'd be someone that you would possibly play as that utility um, you know he'd have to come back and he'd be on the back foot so to speak in terms of trying to get that six jersey. Um, but he'd be someone in the club that you could rely on to fill in positions throughout the season, but definitely be that utility. Um, you know, great club man. That's the other thing about him. He brings people together. He's fun. Uh, he's a professional. He, he trains really hard. 
um, you know, knows when to have a good time when he's away from the training paddock. And you need guys like that in your football team. You, you need guys that are all about the team first rather than the individual. And Josh is one of those players. He always has been. Um, and he, he likes to make sure that the, the team comes together. Whatever team he plays in, um, they have a bit of fun socially as well. Now, South story on the front page of the paper. Our man D Bulldog Richie's co-written, bring our borough back east. Now, South. So the Telegraph saying that the state government is refusing to approve the move from Homebush to the new Sydney Football Stadium or Allianz Stadium. And the chief executive, Blake Solly, he's voiced his frustration in this article saying the club has, quotes, bucket loads of uncertainty, is his quote there. Uh, South's made a call to move after the government withdrew funding for an upgrade of a core stadium. Interested to know what South fans want. And I'm sure we've asked this to, to some listeners, before, to our listeners before, but uh, because it has been shown in the past, laws, a lot of their membership comes from areas in the western suburbs of Sydney. Well, wasn't but, it sold to us that that's why they were going out initially. to the then ANZ Stadium? The fact that their membership base was very broad? It was part of the sell. Money was certainly the reason. Well, I'm assuming the sell was that I can remember. <laughs> Because we've got such a massive mm. and a broad membership base, you know, we, we need to get away from the East because mm. it's easier for our fans to travel to ANZ Stadium. Mm. I don't think anyone ever believed that. <laughs> While they've got a lot of members, I think mm. most people thought that Allianz Stadium or at the Sydney Football Stadium was the place for South Sydney to play. That was their Spiritual home, so to speak. I mean, you got Redfern just down the road, but that was the stadium that I thought most people wanted them to, to play in. But they've been there a while now. Oh, look, I, I think it'd be a better stadium to play footy in. Well, yeah. you want to you want to use the new facilities, well, you want, don't you? You want the new facilities. And at the yeah. end of the day, South's spiritual home is Redfern, well, which is five yeah. minutes down the road. Well, ANZ Stadium's great when there's seventy thousand people there, you know. But if you're only getting ten thousand people. Uh, it can look a bit bare. So going back to the footy stadium, I, th- I think South would, would love to be back there. But obviously the stadiums and the government and the NRL at the moment are trying to work their way around a lot of different issues. Mm. So I don't think it's just as easy as signing off and saying, well, yes, you can go back there and play because you need content out there at Homebush as well. And South's are a major tenant. Um, so I don't know how it all unfolds over the, the coming weeks, but what you do want as a South Sydney supporter, because your memberships are going on sale soon for next season, you want to be able to sell them knowing where you're playing. Mm. So people, if they get the opportunity to buy their membership or, or take up their membership again, they want to know where they're going to watch their team play. And the state government's saying, well, hang on, you did commit to staying at a core stadium until 2030, only I think it was a matter of 12 months ago, but uh, Blake, Solly and South are going, well, yes, we did that on the proviso that a core stadium would be upgraded. And uh, naturally due to COVID, floods, etc., some things have changed in the state government budget and the money hasn't been allocated for that. So now Souths have made their intentions known. They want to go to the, to the new Allianz Stadium set to be opened shortly. And yeah, I mean, in the subject of suburban crowns, and there is nothing worse than seeing a core stadium, which you know, been a great facility, but seeing ten thousand in there, or fifteen thousand in there regularly, 
for clubs when, you know, they're trying to make it look more full by putting Bulldogs or, you know, Souths in big letters, over seats on the top level. It, it's, it just doesn't look good. It doesn't create a great atmosphere. No, exactly right. And you watch... Looks well, ordinary on TV. Well, you watch football or if you've gone to any games at Combank Stadium, you can have ten or 15,000 in that particular venue and the noise which is created is massive. Um, and I'm assuming the same will be for this new stadium. Whereas ANZ, if you haven't got at least 25,000, 30,000 people in there, that atmosphere is not there. So I can understand why South are, are maybe looking to go and use the, the new venue. But it's a difficult situation that they're in at the moment because they feel as though they're in between the government and the NRL's fight for the upgrades of suburban stadiums uh, and they're caught in the middle. But... I, I, I'm assuming most fans would prefer to go to the new stadium rather than the ANZ stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that travel from the east to go to the games, uh, but there's also people that travel from the bush that go to games. Um, so I'd be interested in their thoughts, what they want to do, but it sounds like the club want to go back to having a base in the eastern suburbs. And Brewster Dan had just having a little crack at the... South fans here love the show. Just on the new stadium, there's no chance in the world we want the Wabbits calling our home ground their home, <laughs> says Rooster Dan. But zero four one nine seven six seven two seven two on the text line thirteen fifty three fifty three. Now back page of the Daily Telegraph today. Backs to the wall. Salary cap chaos may bite Sharks finals campaign is the headline there. And just Cronulla, they got quite a few players, particularly in their outside backs who are free to test the open market from November 1, heading into the final year of their deals next season. And they are, well, Sifa Talakai, who's just coming off of Origin appearances. Uh, the wingers, Sione Katoa, Ronaldo Mulatalo, and also Jesse Ramian, uh, who's been fantastic for them this year, I reckon. And Will Kennedy, who, you know, you put, you started to put him, well, not quite as valuable as Dylan Edwards. When are you, when are you talking... Output for value of player, Will Kennedy is producing. Well, that's what you have to get as a talent spotter and as a, a club. You need to have those players that play above their value. The only issue is then is when they're off contract, their value goes through the roof. And when you're playing in a winning team like the Sharks are at the moment, you tend to get recognised a little bit more. And, you know, guys like Will Kennedy... Uh, Talakai, uh, Katara on the wing, and, and Ronaldo and Jesse Raymond are all playing good football. Um, some saving grace for the Sharks will be the fact that Anthony or Andrew, sorry, Fafita is expected to retire, and he's on a big chunk of money. I think they're saying he's on over eight hundred thousand uh, dollars. Wade Graham is another player on a big amount of money, eight hundred thousand dollars. So I'm assuming if Wade goes around again, it's possibly for Big cut. For one year, but mm. there'll be a, a, a massive haircut there. So that frees up a little bit of money, but you're still trying to sort of fit five guys in. Um, so they might have to release one or two players if they you know, want what they're worth on the open market. But that always happens with a successful club, and the Sharks are feeling the pinch at the moment because of their good form. Uh, on uh, Well, in the City Morning Herald, Andrew Johns's column under the headline, why one of the most intelligent players in the NRL is one you wouldn't expect. And he's talking about Short O'Sullivan and just says his footy IQ is off the charts, and he has no qualms in saying that he's the most intelligent player in the game. 
we haven't seen, obviously, a lot of him at first grade level. But, gee, every time he's stepped up, Loz, he has been more than capable. And the Dolphins look like they might have a pretty good one. Yeah, well, I'm assuming Joey must have worked with him. Um, because, look, I see Sean O'Sullivan play. And I think he's a, a solid player. Um, does his job. Understands the game really well. Um, you know, he's not an electric type player. But I'm assuming Joey has worked with him, spoke to him about football, and um, I'll take him on his word. But uh, that's high praise indeed from uh, a number seven, uh, as good as Andrew Johns was, to say that he's the smartest. Uh, but they've got a lot of good players in that Penrith team, and I think they all just work together. And I think Isaiah Yo is one that has certainly impressed me over the last couple of years. And you speak to guys that played with him in the rep sides, he's so important to that. Penrith team and the way he operates and the way he communicates. So I think he's the one that sort of holds them together from the outside looking in for me. I think without him there, um, they would then have the issue of, you know, halves maybe struggling a bit more than, than what they are when a Cleary's not there um, or a is not there. Uh, front page of the Sydney Morning Herald. Gee, the golf world is uh, just spinning at the moment with what's going on. And Smith circles Sharks bait is the headline there. Cameron Smith looks set to accept a lucrative offer to join Greg Norman's Saudi-funded Rebel Tour. Front page of the Sydney Morning Herald. Back page of the Australian. Smith hits out at new report of Live Deal. Aussie star focuses on playoffs. And yesterday, ahead of the St. Jude Championship, the first tournament in the FedEx Cup playoffs... Uh, Cameron Smith spoke and he said if there's something he needs to say regarding the PGA Tour or live, it'll come from, well, in his words, Cameron Smith, not Cameron Percy. And, of course, Aussie Cameron Percy on Melbourne Radio this week basically said they're gone to live in regards to Cameron Smith and also Mark Leishman. Uh, Also, Matt Jones in the news as well. So the Aussie, along with Americans Taylor Gooch and Hudson Swafford, lost a court action against the PGA Tour, which has banned the trio for joining Liv. The three had hoped to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs with that tournament starting later tonight, our time. And Rory McIlroy, who's been staunch in his opposition of Liv all the way through, just as common sense has prevailed. So this is starting to get ugly, Loz. But uh, Cameron Smith, and we look at him and think, you know, how much of a cool, calm and collected dude he looks. Even he's starting to get a little bit annoyed by it all. Well, I said at the start, with the amount of money that the live guys have got at their disposal, the PGA Tour should have started to speak to them to come to some sort of arrangement. Otherwise, with the deep pockets, they will continue to just steal players from the PGA. And at some point in time, they're going to have to come together. And they could have stopped a lot of heartache and pain for a lot of people. And I think that eventually they will. Hmm. But sometimes they don't see it. And sometimes they're ignorant and think that no one else is going to run this sport. And I, and I get and I understand where the traditionalists come from. But when you're coming up against a juggernaut like they are with deep pockets and they're not going away, it's going to be hard to beat him in the end. Josh Reynolds coming up shortly. Mark Newnham just after 6.30 this morning. Adam Pengilly, Steve Blocker-Roach to preview the round in the NRL after 7. Shane Crawford, Hawthorne champion after 8 o'clock this morning. And Brad Davidson as well will get his mail. Now, Gowie's tips 
as well for the St. Jude Championship. He likes Patrick Cantlay uh, to win it. And uh, Cantlay, I'll just have to get his prices up here. But Cantlay, yes, yeah, $17 chance with Tab for the St. Jude Championship. So Cantlay, $17. And he's a keen on Russell Henley as his roughy. And Adam Scott is his top Aussie. Henley's a $61 chance. And Adam Scott also $61 to win the tournament. So there Gowie's tips for the St. Jude Championship. Now we're watching Nick Kyrgios in action here at the moment in the second round in Montreal. And he's been in great form, Nick, heading towards the US Open at Flushing Meadows. And he lost the first set in a tie break. But he's up a break in the second set. He's 4-3 up, about to serve. Medvedev just held serve. And Alex Dimonor up against Grigor Dimitrov. Dimonor won the first set 7-6 in the tiebreak. And it's uh, on, well, he's serving to start off the second set. So it's the first game of the second set. He's 30-15 up there, Alex Dimonor. Now, yesterday we mentioned uh, media conference. Media conference uh, with uh, Paul Gallen and also Ben Hennett and Justin Hodges. Now, Gallen and Hodges had a good... Crack at each other, Loz. Let's take a listen. In the centre, yeah, no, 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 no. mate. Have ten thousand. Yeah, because you, you wouldn't come out with the glory boys, mate. You have, stay in the middle of someone when they're not listen, looking. I'll say it one more time. Everyone, I know everyone can hear me. Have ten thousand. I'll give you five to one. Yeah, sweet. Done. Done. Yeah, I'll knock you out. Easy. I'm coming over to shake you. I'm coming over to shake your hand. I don't want to shake your hand. I'm coming to go. I'm coming to shake your hand. I don't want to shake your hand. Well, that was a hand. You're not man enough. I want to shake your hand after the fight. Mate, you're not man enough. Shake me. Shake my hand on now. Shake my hand on ten thousand. Why would I want to shake your hand? Shake my hand on the ten thousand dollar bet. What is the like that? Look, look. That's agreement. All right, I'm Matt George. Ten thousand. If I beat him, I want ten thousand out of his purse. It's a verbal agreement. I don't want to shake your hand. I'll laugh. I'll fuck the shit out of you. I will see. <laughs> there you go, Loz. So Gal is uh, putting himself 50k in the hole. Should uh, should he somehow get beaten by Hodges? The art of building a fight, Mido. <laughs> the art of building a fight, promoting a fight. Ah, oh, look, it's just uh, you know, as they do, they try and sell it. And well done yesterday uh, to them all there. Um, but Gal loves his dollar, and I'm sure that uh, you know that'll get him going for this fight. Again, oh, I love Hodjo. He's a he's a champion fella, but he's got no hope against Gal. He's got absolutely no hope. Nah. He or Ben Hennett, from what I've seen, and my limited knowledge of boxing, Gal will just be too fit and just be too strong for both those guys. I'll tell you what, money's more important than pride, isn't it, as far as these two Queenslanders are concerned? I mean, it's embarrassing for them both. <laughs> Gallon's going to be able to walk around for the rest of his life saying, I beat you two Queenslanders in one night. In one night. That's exactly right. It's, it's never been go, done well, before. 1890, Loz. 1890. There you go. Young Griffo was uh, the name of the boxer. Young Griffo. Matty Griffin. <laughs> Albert Griffiths. I think his Albert name Griffiths. was. Yeah, Albert Griffith, Griffiths in 1890. And did he have to wait an hour Australian. between fights? Not sure those details. If anyone was around, let us know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the last time an Aussie did it. That, that'd that be level. the only way Gal would be beaten. I know a few blokes have done it twice in one night. Is if he just tightens that. up after a, <laughs> after that first fight with Ben Hennett. But I think Gal would be thinking he could take him out in the first round. Mm. So if he could take him out in the first round and then sort of go and have that rest and come back and fight Hodjo, 
I don't think there'll be a contest. Possibly if he goes, no, nah, he won't be going the distance with Ben Hennett. Please, what am I talking about? No, Give not. myself an uppercut for even <laughs> thinking that he will go the distance with Ben Hennett. Rightio, Jet Setter, where are you? <laughs> Mate, I'm on the beautiful Amalfi Coast, you know. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I was just saying to, um, I was speaking to Jono before coming on, and he's like, oh, mate, you're on the Greek, the Greek island? I said, no, mate, I've changed islands. I'm in Italy now. Come on. I, I think I need a show. What do you reckon? Like getaway or something well, like you, that? You need to do something. Although you've done a bit of filming. Mido just showed me a little bit of a, uh, a message you sent him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, you know what? I, I actually thought I seen Clarky out here on a boat. His <laughs> boat was a bit bigger than mine. <laughs> yeah, no, I was yelling, I was yelling out to him too, too, but he gave me nothing. Too small that boat to, uh, for Clarky. Mm. Have you done that coastline before, Josh? No, I haven't, Lodge, mate. It was, um, it's beautiful. It was beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Oh, mate, it's like nothing. You know, you, you always see things in pictures, and you get there, and you're like, oh yeah, it's similar, but yeah, it, it was unreal, mate. And I'm not not sure how. Mum's still alive because I, I drove, drove the boat on the very, very choppy waters. And oh, mate, she, she only went overboard about 10 times before she, So she, she's, honestly, she's gave me many, many dirties tonight. What's your favourite <laughs> spot so far? Uh, probably going to have to say Santorini, Loz. Um, just, oh, just you're a romantic. Yeah. You are such a romantic. Oh, why does it always come back to that? You know, <laughs> mate, you, you know what? You've changed from the start. Before, you you know, you, we, we, we were tight. Now, yeah, you're romantic. You're this, you're that. And you know what? I am. But, you know, you don't have to give it to me every time. <laughs> have you been to Santorini, Loz? I have. Lovely yeah. spot. Yeah. Uh, Positana. You would have been romantic in Santorini as well. Ah, jeez. Because it's where you go just to chill. It's not like, you know, you go to your Mykonoses and your Eoses to really, you know, sort of get amongst it. Yep. And you go to Santorini just to lie back and just, just, you know, have a lovely time with your lovely. It's a beautiful coastline. It is is sensational. You know, it's one of the great places. I think Loz would be a romantic middle. What do you reckon? Well, we'll go and have a look at his posts on social media from when he was at Queenstown. In Queenstown really? with his queen, as yeah. he told us. You know I'm a romantic. Oh, nice. You know yeah. I'm a romantic. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a romantic. I like it. He's all over it. Now, I like it. Now, Josh, uh, the business. So, so last Thursday night, Fox published a story saying that the Bulldogs were set to offer you a deal for next year. So <laughs> give us your response, mate. Oh, mate, it's... You know what? These are the stories that I love. The ones where something's happened and I don't even know about it. <laughs> mate, I was I was obviously in the, in, in the pool in, in lovely Cyprus and mate, I, my, my phone literally blew up. I, I, was on, I was actually in the gym, honestly. I'm not even genius, up. I felt terrible. So I was like, you know what? I've got to do something. And I'm in the gym and my phone just started going off. Like, my notifications from my Twitter and stuff. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And mate, there was articles galore and people congratulate me and... Mate, I'm getting free coffees again at Belmore, and I, I took them. I'm gonna take them, but yeah, no, it's, it's just 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 mental, me to be honest, me. You know, I was I was actually a bit disappointed because you know it sort of looks like I've said something, um, but it, it clearly hasn't come from me um, or anyone from you know not not George or anything like that. So, look, I'll I'll, I'll put it out there. I, I 100% would love to go there, you know, like, and that's. You know, I've always said that. I'd love to finish there and I love the club. But at the same time, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, Gus has those plans. And But, you know, if, if, if that doesn't work itself out, I'd, I'd still love to be at the club in, in some vicinity. So, as I've said, I, I want to, you know, I'm coming back in the next week or so and, you know, I'm going to start, you know, having all those those chats and, 
yeah, but but last week it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind, but you know it, it was nice to you know I got some nice messages from people saying you know they'd love me back there and and whatever. So yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, well, fingers crossed you'll be able to work something out, and the possibility of going back there, I'm sure, is very attractive to you. But you're still open to go and play with another club. But I, I tell you what, if you're a Bulldogs fan, you're quite excited about where they're going because they're playing some really good football and I know the pressure is off them so th- that helps somewhat but you know their recruitment is uh, as good as anyone in the competition they get you know kick out next year Reed Marnie uh, Sutton from Canberra so they they're, they're building a very very good footy team yeah you know what lies I watching them on the weekend they their form from the start of the year to now it's just crazy. Like they're, they're a whole different beast now. Like was, there was a play there between Burton and, and the Fox. I think it was first or second tackle in his own ten, and he kicked for him, and and Fox picks it up, and, and I'm not sure if he, he scored, but he, he nearly ran the length. And mate, like that's just, that's confidence. Like that's a, that's a confident team. And the, the good thing is too that I think at the start of the year there, you know, they probably weren't happy with their defence, or they probably probably weren't defending as well as they are now. There's a few times here on the weekend where they just scrambled really, really well against, you know, a, a great Cowboys team. Like, let's let's throw it out there. Um, they, they really put it to the Cowboys, and in the end, the, the class got them um, over the line. But but as you said, mate, with I think Reid Mahoney is going to be massive for them. I really do. I love him as a player. He, um, he leads with his actions. He, he niggles. He, he kick chases. He does everything, and I think he's he's probably going to be the perfect bulldog, and I, I think the fans will fall in love with him, boys. I love how you say that. He's got that niggle. <laughs> oh, that he reminds does, me of mate. someone I'm just trying to think of who. <laughs> he does. I watch him sometimes, and you know he, he, he does keep pressure, and he just pulls the guy's arm, and the halfback wants to kill him, and I just he, he just smiles back. And the other him, one so. is he looks innocent all the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's you know what you can do it all, but that's the big thing. You actually got to look innocent. So there's a, there's actually an art to it, was. <laughs> uh, Josh, what did you make of? I'm assuming you've you've seen it. it's been hard to miss in the news, but Ricky Stewart's comment about Jamin Semin post game Saturday night here and uh, his subsequent one match suspension and twenty five thousand dollar fine, <coughs> coach being suspended. Mido, mate, I'll tell you what, he didn't miss him, did he? <laughs> mate, when, when I was reading the articles, I was like, is this, is this a real, real article? Because, like, yeah, it, oh, mate, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty bad thing to say, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, at the same time, he had a bit of um, history or whatnot. But for me, if that was my son, you know, I'd be fuming. Um, you know what, I've actually copped a, a, a spray from Ricky on the sideline. A real, a real bad one. Like, I... Because I, I speak to Mickey Ennis about him, and he says, "Oh, you know, he's a legend, and and, and I'm sure he is, and you know, he, he seems like a really, really loyal guy, and you know, always putting his players first. But there was a game there at Campbelltown where it was it was COVID, and Ricky was on the sideline as he as he usually does, and um, one of the back rowers he hit me pretty late, and I went down, and he just yelled out, "Get up, Reynolds! It's all you ever do is dive, and because there's no one in the stadium." <laughs> Oh, there was no one in the stadium, so I heard it loud and clear. And I, I, I said, "Get upstairs, mate! Get, get off the sideline or something like that." But yeah, you know, it was just obviously very emotional. And um, but yeah, I think um, you know it's a pretty hefty fine, twenty five k, and you know a, a week 
uh, are banned. You know, and he's not meant to be talking to any players. But yeah, I'd like to see if um, if that actually happens. But yeah, not probably not the probably not the right thing to say um, to a player. I, I wouldn't think, you know. I know you're great mates with Clem. Have you spoken to him about him being stood down from last weekend and now he's back in the team for this weekend? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I had, I had a quick chat to him, Ozzy. He, he's a man of a few words over the text, mate. So you you got to get, get in, in fast. But yeah, he, he's just, he was very rattled by it. I, I, it was, it sort of, I suppose, come out of nowhere. And it's the same thing. He's a bit of a heat of the battle um, person, Loz, as, as you'd know. And, um, you know, that, that sort of happened on the field and, you know, thought it was going to probably end after that. But, you know, Newcastle come out and, and you know, made the statement and, and whatnot. And, yeah, it did hurt him because, like, I don't, not, nothing like that's really happened to him in, in his career, you know. He's had a pretty, pretty good career, like, you know, with nothing really bad in the media and whatsoever. A few blow-ups here and there, on, like on Good Friday. But, but um, yeah, he's been pretty clean skin. But, mate, I think he's just... You know, he's happy that he you know, got the apology and whatnot from Newcastle and he just wants to get back out there and, and play some footy because he still, he, he, he does love it. Um, you know, from everything, from what he said to me, he, he doesn't want to leave or anything. So I just hope he, he gets rid of this little period and, and gets back on playing some good footy. Josh, uh, Fox Sports have written a story about John Bateman that the Tigers have inquired about you know, him going to their club next year, and that's been knocked back by Wigan because he is under contract. How's he been going over there? We saw how how valuable he was to the Raiders here, particularly the year they made the grand final, of course, and uh, had a really nice career here before it all sort of ended a little bit sour and went back home to Wigan. How, uh, to what extent, I guess, has he been dominating over there? Yeah, well, you know, I, for me, I, I'd be getting him straight away if I could. As as a Tigers as a club, he's you know he's obviously a great footy player, and uh, this year he, he's been playing some good footy. You know, whenever I um, I actually don't line up against him, but he's one of those players. If he's the you know if he's the right hand back rower, he can he always ends up on my side because he's always drifting across field and you know trying to engage players, and and, and that's he's really strong. But I, if, yeah, like I said, if I was the Tigers, I'd be bringing him. Um, and if I was Wigan, I wouldn't be letting him go because he, he's a leader. Um, and especially at Wigan, uh, he's been there for a long time and you know, they've got a real, real good chance at winning the comp this year. And I'm pretty sure they've got a, you know, they're keeping the same roster for next year. So I, I can't see it happening, you know, to be completely honest. But if I was the Tigers, I'd be getting someone like him, you know, as a leader. Even, you know, sometimes it's, it's more just about, you know, getting him there and, you know, getting him around, you know, the players and, you know, what, what he brings on and off the field. So if it does happen, it'll be a great buy uh, for the West Tigers. What do you think will happen in tonight's game between the Storm and the Panthers? Both have key men missing. And it's like, for me, you look at Penrith at full strength and you go, geez, they're going to be mighty hard to beat this year. Are you of the same opinion? Oh, 100% loss. I honestly can't see him getting beaten. Like, they just keep winning. Like, look at last week, honestly, the game. Like, you know, like, poor mum. I told her to change it, change a tip to, to oh, Canberra. Oh, yeah, never, she, ever change a tip. I know. I've gone, I've, like, I've thrown her in the, in the Amalfi Coast and changing her tips. So she's going <laughs> to disown me in, in the next couple of days. But, no, nah, honestly, I, they just, Canberra threw everything at them last week, honestly. Every, everything. They went, they went a bit sideways, but they just kept turning up and, Coruscant and Isaiah Yo, they they got players like that who 
who can just control a game, you know, from 13 or 9. And if they're at full strength, Loz, Nathan Cleary's having a rest. It's more probably for him mentally now, you know. Probably he's out for four, four or five weeks. For him just to not have a get up for any game um, will, will be a massive you know, upside for Penrith at the end of the year. But yeah, in the game tonight, I I liked I liked um, John's um, at halfback last week for Melbourne. I, I think it did work well, but I think Meany plays fullback and, and Munster was on fire. So I think if them three can f- fire, they're a chance. But you know, Penrith just just seem to keep turning up and. You know, they're winning games off the back of their defence. Mate, you uh, travel safe and we'll catch up very, very soon. See you soon, boys. Thank you. Cracking game going on over in Montreal at the moment between Nick Kyrgios and Daniel Medvedev. And it is a set apiece. We are on serve in the third and deciding set. Kyrgios down 1-2, but uh, serving 15 love up. After he lost the first set in a tiebreaker, fought back to win the second 6-4. And now he's 30 love up in the fourth game of the deciding set. Now, Alex Dimonor up against Grigor Dimitrov. And Dimonor won the first set in a tiebreak. And that is also on serve at the moment in the second set with Dimonor up 3-2. But uh, Dimitrov struggling on his serve. They're at juice. There at the moment. Now, the UEFA Super Cup is on this morning as well. The match between the Champions League winner and the Europa League winner. And uh, that is between Real Madrid, of course, who beat Liverpool in the final of the Champions League, and Eintracht Frankfurt. And uh, Frankfurt, who have, of course, Aiden Hrustich, the Socceroo, playing for them or in their squad. And Madrid leads 2 0. They were short price favourites to win the match, and uh, Benzema scored in the 65th minute there as well. So 2-0 Madrid, 82nd minute of that game. Um, give us a call, 13.53.53, and we're going to speak to trainer Mark Newnham shortly, uh, just on the South situation in their home ground, Lods. By the way, uh, this text from Al. Hi, gents. For those who are struggling with the app, the Sky Racing Active app seems to be working fine. You must have a tab account for it to work. Laurie, the only reason Souths went to Homebush was for the, well, the membership-based story. It was just that, a story. We all know the state the club was in back then. Allianz is a no-brainer if they could get back there despite the objections of their rivals behind the scenes. Cheers, Al. So it was more about the fact that they were getting money from ANZ Stadium to go there rather than the membership story. They spun. Oh, it was a much more uh, financially friendly yeah. deal for yeah. the club. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understand that too. Mm. But the way it was sold was because they're a members, broad membership yeah. base and it would suit South City members being out there. Mm. But you've got a shiny new facility. It's near Redfern. No-brainer to go there, isn't it, really? Just got to get approval from the state government. All right, time to talk some racing. And a uh, real spring feel starting uh, to get in the air when you look at the, the fields for Saturday, Rose Hill Gardens, the Rosebud. Uh, now, though, we're joined by uh, trainer Mark Newnham. Mark, good morning to you. Morning, Gerald. Morning, Oz. Yeah, good to have you on the show again, mate. And yesterday, Machalate, uh, this Maurice Colt broke its maiden, and you said it's on a spring champion path. I bet you're looking forward to seeing how he goes on a dry track. He's yet to do so. 
Yeah, and that's that's the weather we've had in Sydney. I mean, he had three runs in the autumn all on heavy tracks. You spell them, you come back, and they're still on heavy tracks. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts when he does see good ground. But uh, at least we know he, he does handle the wet. So will you head to, what, the gloaming next, or is there a race between then? Oh, he'll probably run in the Ming Dynasty. Yeah. That's a month away. He'll, he'll have his races, you know, spaced at the moment uh, as, as a build-up towards that. But, uh, look, he, he showed stakes class ability uh, at two. Um, and I'd like to think he's improved a fair bit since then. And he's got a strong enough pedigree to suggest that, you know, he'll run at least 10 furlongs. Mark, I reckon every couple of months we talk about racing here in New South Wales and talking about how good it is and, you know, with another increase in prize money. From your perspective, how good is it? Oh, it's like getting a pay rise every three months, <laughs> you know, um, because that's that's what it is because the prize money's across the board. Um, so, you know, every time every time you're winning or even running a place, you, you're collecting a little bit more and that, that's all the participants. So, you know, you, won't, you certainly won't get any argument from us. Does that transfer over... Mark, do you think of, to to people that haven't been involved in the racing industry before getting involved? Yeah, look, there's there's certainly um, a lot more interest, especially from people who have raced horses outside of New South Wales previously. Um, I've got a new client on board who races horses in Singapore, um, and he's decided now after looking at uh, what's happening in Sydney racing that he'd like to race some horses here. And I got an email yesterday from uh, a guy in New Zealand who, who wants to send one over, and that's simply because of prize money. Mm, there you go. Uh, Expat uh, won the Bill of the Turf there at Gosford late last year. Millie Fox winner as well uh, in the autumn. What, what's the plans with her going forward? She's trialling tomorrow, and then she'll have one or two runs leading into the Golden Pendant, which is Group 2, 1400 Rose Hill. Uh, she loves Rose Hill, so um, that, that looks an ideal target race for her. Um, and then hopefully uh, she gets an invitation to the invitation, which is the 1,400-metre mares race at Randwick here for $2 million. So, um, you know, she's won a couple of group races now. Um, whether she's quite uh, good enough to get a group one on the scoreboard, who knows? But um, there's plenty of prize money to be won by her. Expat, she's, again, one of those horses. You look at her, she's had 15 career starts and only three runs on, on good tracks, which she has recorded a win. You know she can handle the heavy, but uh, all indications are that a good track will be fine for her as well. Yeah, and look, she's just a good on-pace, tough mare, good winning record, eight wins already, um, you know, a couple of group races. With her, you sort of know what you're going to get. She leaves the gates quickly, gets control of a race and fights really hard, so... Um, you know, we're not at the bottom of her yet. What about the plans for Big Parade? Yeah, he'll trial in two or three weeks' time, and then his preparation will probably be a combination of um, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, with all the sprint options open at the moment, um, Melbourne have also given their um, sprints uh, quite a boost in prize money, obviously, to um, try and attract some horses away from uh, the Everest and even the Sydney Stakes. I mean, he won the Sydney Stakes last year and it was worth half a million. This year it's worth two million. So if you don't get an Everest berth and you go around in the Sydney Stakes, it's certainly um, worthwhile, you know, especially he's a gelding. So we're not trying to enhance his stud career. It's all about prize money for him. 
Uh, you had Spirit Ridge run in a met, run in a Metrop last year, and uh, he's getting a bit old, older. But uh, what's the plans with him? Oh, he's likely retired now. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's really done his job. He just really lost interest in the game. There's nothing physically wrong with him, but um, the legs are just not, not as quick as they used to be. What are some other horses trialling that we need to keep an eye on, Mark? Uh, we've got well, we've got Seven Vales resuming next week in the Silver Shadow. Um, she won the Group 2 Riesling um, and then ran in the Slipper. She's only had three career starts, so... Um, you know, she's got a bit ahead of her. There's the Philly series for her, hopefully culminating in the in the flight stakes. And um, uh, very fine red, who was unlucky in a stakes race in uh, in, in Melbourne last spring. Uh, she's back in work. Um, Dragonstone Hill trial in a couple of weeks. So oh, there's a few there. 58 winners last season. How'd you assess it? Um, look, it wasn't as good as the year before. Um, although we still won, um, you know, three Group Two races and a couple of Group Threes, but uh, when I closed the um, Warwick Farm stables or six or seven months ago, um, that that impacted on our numbers, and that just became, you know, logistically impossible for me to be um, going between the two stables constantly, and. Um, so, you know, we've had a reduction from 75 to 50 in work. So, unfortunately, that does impact on your winners. But um, I'd rather try and concentrate now on getting, um, you know, a high percentage of stakes horses. I mean, everybody does. But um, we've got some nice quality horses there to do that with. And how are you going with sourcing staff? I know it's an issue for a lot of trainers, Mark. But uh, I guess with the world opening up more, uh, more and more as well, has that assisted... In, uh, in getting the staff into your stables? Well, that's probably one of the things that has helped me is that uh, closing the Warwick Farm Stable, I've brought a couple of those staff over to Ramwick and uh, we're going pretty well at the moment. Um, I'm on the lookout for another Irish apprentice, um, another Robbie Dolan or Tom Sherry. Um, and, um, you know, so there's there's opportunities there for them um, and now that the borders are opened up it's, it's going to be a bit easier Well, good luck for the spring appreciate the time as always Terrific, thanks guys Mark Newnham there and uh, there you go Loz, a very practical example with the prize money increases, he's got owners ringing him yeah. up going, I want to send you my horses because your jurisdiction has that cash. Well, well I thought about that, Mido, but I, I was more of the angle of people outside the industry, but that makes more sense too, mm. doesn't it? That people that doesn't, or they don't race in this jurisdiction, coming from outside, wanting to be a part of it. And that's what happens when you have increases with prize money and you attract and keep your best horses here in Sydney. So it's, it's amazing um, how well... Uh, it's going here in racing New South Wales, and was it the yeah the Kosciuszko? I heard you say yesterday, and with that announcement, one point three to two million. Yeah, two million now. That's a massive increase, yeah, it is, isn't it? Well, he's the Sydney Stakes. stakes he, he's million. there going. I had the winner last year, race for five hundred thousand dollars. He racing for two million in that race this year. Yeah. Anyway, and just a reminder on the Kosciuszko as well. Those tickets on sale now, as Loz mentioned. You're not winning a share in 1.3. You're winning a share in 2 million now with that increase in prize money. Five bucks a ticket. You can buy as many as you want. They're available on your tag app, tab app, your pub club tab agency. They close Wednesday, September 7 is when tickets close. Now, I'm going to ask this question. 
I probably should ask it off air, but I'm going to ask it on air. With T's and C's, <laughs> are we? Oh, no, I don't think we can win. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm sure this was asked at some sort of internal powwow when the concept was first raised. Right. And I just have it a little bit burnt in my brain somewhere, Loz, that As an individual, we can't. What happens if you're a contractor? <laughs> you, could, you could ask those questions. I'll ask those questions. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask those questions. Because yeah, I need to know. <laughs> because I'm sure our listeners would but be my just wife, delighted for my us. My wife could buy tickets. <laughs> yeah, your wife can. <laughs> yes, she can. She can. And you don't my see son. a cent. <laughs> could you imagine how it would be perceived oh, if, if we were just Mrs. there Daly. with Clarkie <laughs> in a headlock on Everest Day winning I mean, the Kosciuszko? I could just see him having luck. I could, just... I could see Clarkie oh. having luck. Oh. And it'll make me sick. Oh. And I'll have to be so happy for him, but deep down, I'll be burning. Oh. <laughs> I'll be Jeez. jealous. He's just going to have beginner's luck, Oh, well, he already is. Well, he's he already had, has, hasn't he? He's, yeah. had, mate, he's had two wins, what, three starts, four yeah. starts. All in town. Oh, seriously. And a second. So, uh, Flying. Anyway, have you heard from him? Uh, not since last week. Not from last no. week, right. Up, right up. Plenty of, there's going to be an interrogation on Monday. Yeah, big time. Big time. We're going to do half an hour segment. Mm. So if you've got any questions you'd like us yeah, to ask. Anything. Anything. Put them on the text line. Oh, anything? <laughs> no. No, you can't have no, anything. No, anything. I'll just have oh, to vet them. Oh, you'll have to vet them. All right. <laughs> but I'm certainly going to interrogate him on oh, Monday. Big time. We not might, off air. We on might, air. Yeah, on air. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to do half an hour with Clarkie. That'll be a new segment. Mm, yep. Adam Pengilly, morning to you. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Clarkie's been spending a lot of time around that Eiffel Tower, according to his Instagram. Lots. Lots of time. And that's where our concern is for the young man. We want to make sure he comes back. Do you reckon he's going to turn up on Monday, Loz? Oh, he, uh, would, he will. Yeah, I think he will, he will. But I reckon he'll question himself, what am I doing driving from the east <laughs> to the north? <laughs> at that time of the morning. Yeah, there'll be a lot of personal reflection <laughs> be, on that drive. Yeah, there'll be personal reflection. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's a good yeah. way of putting it. And, yeah. and, and you can just be pretty wild winning a couple more races through the spring, can't you? Like, I can just oh. see her being maybe an emergency for the Golden Eagle or something <laughs> scratched on race morning and she gets into the field and runs top three. And, and I said it right from the start. Not that I'm a jealous person. I'm putting it out there. I'm not jealous. What are you smiling at? Please. I could have a little bit of jealousy oh. in me. All right? A little bit. But he's just going to have this beginner's luck, and it makes me sick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just see Chris Waller getting her ready for a nice race, and she's going to win something. She's going to win something. Oh, like, yeah, and he'll swan in here, and he'll talk about it, and I'll have to sit there and pat him on the back and say, well done, but deep down, knowing that I don't like it. <laughs> um, now, I want to talk some golf with you just while we're about to do that. Nick Kyrgios has just beaten Daniel Medvedev. He is a massive chance in this year. If he keeps his head, he is flying Kyrgios. He can win the US Open, big time. Uh, so he's just beaten Medvedev in three sets, winning the third set, 6-2. But uh, golf, you've written about uh, Cameron Smith and the latest situation with Liv, etc. in the Herald today. We've got players in court and losing. What a mess. Yeah, it's not pretty, is it, Jared? And I don't think there's any doubt at all now that Cameron Smith will be playing uh, in Greg Norman's tour in the not-too-distant future. I think he'll obviously still play the FedEx Cup playoffs at the moment because obviously there's a massive carrot in terms of money <laughs> to try and win at the end of these next three weeks and the chance for him to be the world number one. And then he said quite strongly yesterday he's going to play the President's Cup, and that was certainly a lot of the mail that I was hearing a few weeks ago. He was still going to play the President's Cup because I think he sees that as a, a really important event to play for the internationals to try and 
wrestle back that title from the United States because it's been all one-sided for, for many, many years, that concept, and he wants to play that. But I think after that, all bets are off, and there's a very good chance he'll be heading across to, to play live golf. And um, the money on offer is just quite extraordinary, Jared. Um, Cameron and his team have been quite coy about any negotiations and agreement being struck, but he's had multiple times now to deny he's going to be heading across to, to play live golf, and he's so far refused to deny it on several occasions, including yesterday, and he will be the biggest scalp that Greg's got so far in terms of a player who's at his peak. He's 28 years old, coming off a, a massive major win, the highest-ranked player that he's going to sign, and it will be a huge, huge coup for Greg Norman. Hard to turn down generational wealth. Yeah, and it's it's, it's crazy, Loz, the, the amount of money he's going to earn. And I know a lot of people will argue by saying that, well, he doesn't really need the money. He's, he's you know infinitely rich at the moment. I, I can understand that argument as well. But I even quoted the prospect in, in my column today that a guy like him, who is so mad about his rugby league, we know he's fanatical about the Brisbane Broncos and, and Queensland in state of origin. Like, who's to say he couldn't use some of that money to try and buy a stake in the Brisbane Broncos and, and be, be a, a part owner of that club? Because um, I, I know how fanatical he is about rugby league. So... Yeah, there's still plenty to play out. Uh, obviously, Mark Leishman is another another Australian who's heavily rumoured to be heading across to live golf. And we haven't heard a lot from Adam Scott lately, have we? Um, he's one who's spoken about the concept previously, uh, as far back as probably four or five months ago, and said it had appeal to him. But he's kept fairly quiet lately. But it seems like that there's just more and more cards falling in this uh, this golfing civil war. That's going to be happening in the next few weeks. Let's talk some racing. And uh, Mugger 2, down to run at Rose Hill again on Saturday. <laughs> Chris Lee's probably looked at it and thought, oh, he might get not too, too heavier a track, but we've had more more rain than we probably expected so far this week. Yeah, it's still going to be a fairly wet track, Jared, and he's got a hefty weight there on the weekend, 65 kilos, taking three kilos off of Dylan Gibbons' claim, obviously. But I think chatting to the camp, it's probably a good chance to try and get him back to the races. He's been entered and scratched a couple of times so far. It's been a long, long layoff. So very keen to see what he can do. I have no idea what plans he's going to try and you know, aim for later in the year where they try and target a Cox Plate again or they just try and bring him back a, a few notches given he's had so long off the scene and maybe try and qualify for a race race like the Big Dance and try and go to a couple of country cups. But, uh, yeah, I'm very keen to see him back at the races. He was a, he was a star attraction uh, in the back end of 2020 and the start of 2021 with that long layoff after the Doom and Cup last year. And uh, just good to see him back at the races. Frankie Detour is going to get to ride a Melbourne Cup winner. Can you believe it, Lord? <laughs> Finally getting a chance to ride a Melbourne Cup winner in Very Elegant. So, yeah, this caught me a bit by surprise yesterday that the Very Elegant camp have booked him to ride her in her first European start over there at Deauville in France in a couple of weeks' time. And, uh... Frankie won't get a chance to sit on her in track work or do any work with her beforehand, but he's an experienced jockey. And I think her racing pattern, her manners, very elegant. Not great, but it's still a lot better than what it used to be, probably, say, two or three years ago. So, yeah, very much looking forward to see how very elegant goes in a, in a first group one win. And only adds interest, I suppose, with Frankie uh, being jumping aboard. Racing New South Wales are refunding licence fees to flood-affected participants, Adam. Yeah, what a great little initiative, Jared. I thought I wanted to mention this this morning. They've announced yesterday they're going to refund a lot of those licence fees to trainers and participants up there in the Northern Rivers and the Mid-North Coast region. I know it's not going to be you know, a huge amount of relief, but at least it goes some way to just alleviating the stress on, on some of those people up there. And I I was actually up at Lismore um, probably about five or six weeks ago now when up there with the New South Wales Origin team when they went to Lismore. And you just, you've never seen anything like it. It's just so sad to be able to drive through the streets up there and See this town trying to recover, what is it, three or four months on from those devastating floods and just seeing shops just all hoarded up and makeshift businesses using whatever space they can that hasn't been flood affected to try and keep afloat. People without houses, it's just, it's so sad. So, um, yeah, this is a great little initiative, I think, by Racing New South Wales and they're going to need all the help they can get those people up there to get back on their feet. Mate, thank you so much. Have a good day. 
See you, boys. And just Scowie on a flight, by the way, for those asking on the text line. That's why he's not on today. He's got a flight, but he has sent his tips through for the St. Jude Championship. And he likes Patrick Cantlay, who's a $17 chance with Tab. His roughie is Russell Henley, $61. And his top Aussie, Adam Scott, who's $61 to win the tournament. He's $6 in the top Aussie market, a market dominated by Cam Smith, who's a $1.80 favourite in that market. Now, Kyrgios has won, as I mentioned, and should he win this um Demonor would play Kyrgios in the next round of the Montreal ATP event. And Demonor is up a set and it is four all. 